0: We pray with me. God, we want that to be so true, not just the songs that we sing, but with the lives that we live, God. You are God. We're not, so we just submit to that today. But not only that, God, we want to commit our lives to you. We want to give you, God, what you deserve, what we could never give you fully on our own, but what you are so deserving of, God, which is our praise, which is our lives. Our response to you today, God, is we want to say yes to you and take a step forward to trusting you and following you with our lives today, because you are worthy, God. You are worth it. You deserve it. And so, God, we want to give it to you now. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you go ahead and grab a seat? My name is Jarrett. I'm one of the pastors here at Soul City Church, and I am so thankful that you joined us here today. Uh, we're in the second week of a uh, series where we're talking about God and money. And I know that can freak some people out and some people get a little nervous about that. But what we find throughout the Bible is that God talks very openly, very honestly about finances. And so we as the church should as well. Agree? This should be the place where we can be honest and be real and come as we are and take steps to trusting God more and more and more because of who he is with all that we Have in all of who we are, and so that's what we started last week. That's what we're doing again this week, and I want to let you know this week is going to be kind of like a family meeting. We're going to talk about some stuff. It's like hashtag real talk going on this weekend. All right, we're going to talk about some stuff, and uh, and I want to let you know this: those of you who are Christians, call yourselves Christians. The stuff we're going to talk about is nothing new. You've heard it before, but so many of us need help in applying these principles to our lives every day. And so we're going to talk about it honestly and take some real practical next steps. And maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian yet. This is what's so great. Hey, there's a seat for you at the table. We want you here. We're glad that you're here because you get to sit in on our family meeting and you get to figure out if we're a weird family or not. You get to figure out if we really actually do what we say, if we obey the teachings of God. And here's a cool thing. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You're investigating the God thing. The principles that we're going to talk about in the Bible today, we're going to look at in depth can totally apply to your life. But here's the deal. You're not accountable to actually hold them and carry them out in your life. This is for those of us who call ourselves Christians and are following God. These are things that we are actually committing to do in our relationship with God. You don't have to, but you still get to read the benefit of, uh, benefit of practicing these principles. It's kind of a win-win for you this morning if you're checking us out and investigating God. This is good, good stuff that we're going to talk about. And we've said last week, and we say every time we talk about money here at this church, We have to kind of speak a truth that the scriptures speak about again and again and again that speaks against our presumptions and assumptions about God and our money. And it's simply this, that when it comes to your finances, your monies, we want to be very clear. Your monies, by the way. We want to be very clear about that. That God's not trying to get something from you, but that he actually has something. Wow, you guys sound like the 9 o'clock crowd. That was, (laughs) I love you, but I want you to try that again. God's not trying to get something from you. He actually has something For you. In fact, this is so important. I want you to turn to the person next to you. You may not even know him. I want you to say, "Hey, listen. I want you to hear something. God's not trying to get something from you, but He has something for you this morning. Go ahead and turn and say that to him right now." And we believe that. We believe God has something for you. He has truth that can set you free. There are principles that you can put to practice in your life today that God has for you. God doesn't need your money but he longs for your heart. He created you to give your heart to him and to respond to him. And so I would ask that you have an open heart as we talk about this stuff. And if at the end of it, you still have some questions or concerns or bugs you that we talked about church and God and money all in the same breath, and you kind of got this issue and that issue, which I'm sure totally fine, and I can understand if you were to explain to me. I want you to go ahead and write it all out, write out your issues with us talking about money at church, and you can send them an email to Stevens at (laughs) SoulCityChurch.com. Send those off, and she will answer every single one of those. It's a promise. This last week, as I was preparing and, and thinking about our time together and what God was leading us towards, I began to think about all the things in my life. That on a regular basis, I put my faith in, I, I, I do, I participate in, and I have no idea how they work. I, I, regularly, there's things that I depend on, that I look to, I lean on, that I, I will like put kind of my trust in or, or I'll participate in. I have no, I, they are a mystery to me how they work. The internet, mystery to me. I mean, just the way that it works and the way that Wi-Fi works and the fact that 10 years ago I wouldn't even know what Wi-Fi was, but now I won't go to certain coffee shops because they don't have good Wi-Fi. Like, it's become a part of my life, and I don't even fully know how it works, how I can be on the phone talking to someone and send them a file from my phone while playing Angry Birds. It's a mystery to me. (laughs) Mystery to me. It's a mystery to me, honestly. It sounds so simple, but... Airplanes, still a mystery to me. Not gonna lie to you. Like, I get the basic, like, fundamental principles. I think there's a lot of fuel and there's some engines, and I hear wings are very important. I get all those things. But the fact I don't know how it all works, how something that heavy and that big gets up, and yet every time I take a flight, I put my trust into something I don't understand. It's a mystery to me. And I'm banking that someone at the front of the plane does understand how this all works, and they're not like Denzel Washington drinking on the job. I <laughs> put my faith into things that I don't understand, they're a mystery to me. Every one of us at some level every day puts our faith in or our trust in or participates in something that is a mystery to us. We couldn't explain it. We don't understand it. But I want to be really clear about what we're talking about this morning. Your finances is not one of those things. Your finances should not be a mystery. Your finances and and what you do with your money and ultimately where your money comes from and what its purpose is in your life is not meant to be a mystery. And for many of us, we've lived that way, and maybe no one taught you or showed you or has walked through as practically as we're going to walk through some stuff here today. And so it's kind of been a mystery, and you sort of just get through, and I'm telling you, God has so much more for you than that, that it wouldn't be a mystery, and that your hopes and intentions to live a more generous life wouldn't just sort of be, "I hope one day, maybe, but that could actually begin today. And that's what we're going to look at in our time together this morning. I don't think it should be a mystery what God teaches about finances. In fact, it's incredibly clear and it's incredibly consistent throughout the Bible. His heart for you when it comes to your stuff. The Bible talks a lot about money. In fact, what's really interesting in my study, I found that there are 2,350 verses about money alone in the Bible. And I memorized every one of them this week preparing for this talk. (laughs) I'd like to share them with you now. There are 2,350 verses about money. That's 15% of the Bible talks about money. More than heaven, hell, marriage, eternity, all those big and important things. God keeps talking about money. Why? Because he's obsessed with money? No. Because he knows that we can be. And he knows that the stuff we own can eventually, over time, begin to own us. And get our heart, and that there's a real war going on, that money is not evil, but there is an evil one who wants to use money to keep you bound up and keep you from being free. And so God talks very honestly, very clearly, very compassionately, very consistently about you and me and our stuff, our money. In fact, one of the books of the Bible that talks about it regularly, just about almost every chapter or so, there's some verse or some mention of money or wealth or resources or stuff is the book of Proverbs fantastic book of wisdom. And if you've never read the Bible before, there's a blue Bible right in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, you can literally grab that Bible, steal it, like swipe a Bible from church today. And one of the best places for you to start is the book of Proverbs as real practical wisdom for how you and I can live our lives in a way that honors God. Principles that hold up after thousands and thousands of years, written in a different culture, with a different currency, and yet they still hold up today. In fact, I want to highlight two of them just real quickly. There are tons of verses in just the book of Proverbs alone. Let me just highlight two of them right now, and you just see kind of if this doesn't resonate with some of the responsibility that comes with resources. It's just two verses, Proverbs 21 Verse 20 says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Now let me just say a real quick word here so you don't take the Bible too literally. You should never gulp down olive oil. That is not a, (laughs) that's not good at any level. You should not do that. But what's the Bible really talking about? Let's step into a culture that's maybe a little unfamiliar to ours. Well in that culture, in that day, uh, they didn't have refrigerators, didn't have options to go out and just buy food at wherever you want to go get food at. So The principle here is that the wise kind of store up and save, that they have a plan for their stuff. But a fool, which the book of Proverbs talks about a lot, just takes whatever's in front of them, eats whatever's in front of them, spends whatever they have. There's a big difference between being responsible with your resources and being, as the book of Proverbs talks about, a fool who just, you got money, so you spend money. And there's not a real plan involved. In fact, look at that played out in Proverbs 27, starting with verse 23. It says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. And I just want to hit pause real quick. Again, we're speaking from a different culture. But, you know, it's about 1130 a.m. in the morning right now. Do you know where your flocks are? You know the state of your herds. We obviously, not many of us probably in here have flocks and herds, but in that culture, that was a common uh, way of business and a way of life for a family. In fact, many families were sustained by their flock or their herd of whatever it was, whether it's sheep or cattle or whatever it was. And so, this principle applies to anyone who's ever had to lead anything. In a business way, you start a business from scratch, lead a team of people, lead a project. It's the same exact principle. You, you know if you're in charge of something, if you've been entrusted with something, you know where those things are at. You know you keep an account of things. You keep things in order. Because the book of Proverbs says, riches don't endure forever. Can I get an amen on that? Riches don't endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. These things come and go. So the wise person has a plan and is responsible with their resources. They know the state of things where they are at. And many of us are filling out our taxes and getting ready for tax day. That is like knowing where your herds and flocks are at, just maybe a little too late for some of us. But we all have an account. We all have an idea. And there's something about responsibility that goes with our resources, and what the Bible teaches about consistently, we're going to look at here in a second. There's something about generosity that is tied to our responsibility. All of us long to, to be more generous people. I, I don't, may not know you, but I bet I know that about you. You want to give more. You want to do more. We talked about this last week. You want to be rich, which is what we talked about last week. How can you be rich in good deeds and in giving to others and giving back to God? My hunch is, I don't know where you're at or what your story is, but you want to be more generous. What the Bible teaches over and over and over again is there is a direct correlation between my responsibility with my resources and my ability to be generous for the rest of my life. It's as though these scriptures and many more are teaching that, really, honestly, tomorrow's generosity comes from today's responsibility, let me just sit with that for a second, maybe even write it down. This is really important stuff that I didn't learn kind of growing up, I like great parents in a great home, but this concept was not taught to me. And maybe you've not heard this before, but this is what is taught throughout the Bible, that, listen, tomorrow's generosity, my desire and hope to be more generous, to give more and do more, is directly connected to today's responsibility. What I do with my resources matters, because it's going to set me up to have a lifestyle and a lifetime of generous living. Of doing good, of being rich. Now, you may be a very generous person. You love to give. I mean, it's just who you are, it's in your nature. You love giving of your resources, your finances, your time, your talent, whatever it is. That is such a beautiful thing. But gener- like, generosity that lacks responsibility lacks longevity. I say that again, generosity that lacks responsibility, lacks longevity. You may be able to give right now. That's a beautiful, wonderful thing. But will you be able to give ongoing for the rest of your life? Bible teaches that when you are responsible with your resources and have a plan for that, you are able to give more and more and more and more, not just in the moment. You may be incredibly responsible with your money. You you know where your flocks and herds are right now. You're very responsible, have everything lined up, figured out you've done very well. You've been very, maybe successful or at the very least responsible, but you may lack generosity. And so you don't have a vision or a joy that goes with all the resources that you've responsibly managed so well. Generosity without responsibility lacks longevity. And responsibility without generosity lacks vision and joy. And so God is saying, no, these things actually go together. I'm responsible with what God has given me today so that I can be generous tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. My lifetime of generosity begins with my responsibility today. Now, like I said, I didn't grow up in a home where we talked about that kind of stuff a ton. So when Gene and I got engaged, uh, we were kind of starting from scratch when it came to our finances. And I literally mean from scratch, very easy when we first started dating to do our taxes and to do our budget. You just carry the zero. Just keep carrying the zero all the way across. Really easy. And so when we were engaged, we actually sought out a, a mentor couple to speak into our lives. And God gave us the gift of the, just the most incredible couple. Their names are Dick and Sybil Towner. And we got them as a, a pre-marriage mentor couple And they spoke so much life and gave us such a beautiful picture of what marriage could be. And they were, you know, obviously older than us, but we watched and we saw how responsible they were with their resources, how simply they lived and responsibly they lived, met all their obligations, all their kids went to school, paid for all the weddings, did all that sort of stuff, but they lived so responsibly and were exponentially more generous than anyone we'd ever met with their stuff, their resources, their cars, their home. In fact, the entire time we've known Dick and Sybil Towner, there has been someone living in their home. That obviously they're aware of it. It's not like drifters that <laughs> keep they got to fix that hole in the basement. They they invite people in. And so people Regular, and multiple people at a time. In fact, someone came up to me after the 9 o'clock service and says, I don't know Dick and Sybil, but I had a friend in college who lived with them for a year. Isn't that cool? This beautiful picture of generosity matched with responsibility. And so when Gene and I were getting married, we said, can you help us kind of understand we want to be like you. That's really, we we want to we do this like you. And they laid out for us a very simple plan, but it has shaped the way we approach finances in our family. And you may have heard of it before. It may be nothing new to you. But for some of us this morning, this may be like the beginning of a whole new adventure with God and getting responsible with your resources so that you can be generous for a lifetime. And so they rolled out this very simple plan. I was shocked at how simple it was when I looked at how rich their life was. I was you, you're kidding me that it's this simple. He said, no, it's this. They called it the 10 plan. And their plan was look, this is how we did it. 10, 1080. For every $10 we get, I'm going to make this even simpler than the towners made it for us. For every 10 that comes in, I take one. That goes straight to God. First one, that goes straight to God. God, I'm going to give you a portion. Take one of these 10. 10%, that's what they started at. I'm going to give this to you. The second one comes in, that goes straight to savings. I'm going to say that, God, because the Bible teaches that finances and resources are fleeting. They don't stay forever. They don't last forever. So I'm going to put this away for now so that I can continue, God, to live a rich life well into the future and continue to be generous tomorrow. And then the next eight are yours to work out how you need to meet your responsibilities, how you need to pay your bills, how you need to sort of, you know, continue to sort of live in the city or wherever you may live. This is, you can ask God and he'll give you great direction on this, but this is what they said. Look, 10, 10, 80. First one goes to God. Second one goes to savings. The other eight, you live off of. And I was so amazed and blown away with the simplicity of this plan and yet watched how it had totally affected their life, so much on so the fact that I wanted to be like them. 10, 10, 80. Couldn't have sounded any simpler. And it is really simple when all you have is 10. <laughs> it's just literally, maybe your next paycheck, ask for it in singles. It may take you a while, but it's pretty easy to do, you know, when, when, it's, when it's 10 or, or when it's 1,000, you know, it's like, okay, I can, still hard, I can do this. You'd think the more you make the easier it would get. You'd think, you know, okay, now it's 20,000. Now it's 50,000. Now it's 100,000. This shouldn't be that hard, but isn't it funny the more you make the harder it gets? Cuz I need I need that and I need this and god, I want to I want to okay, I'm going to, you know, put you on hold, god. I'm going to roll you over to the next month. I'm going to get you back. Um, I'm good for it and I'm going to put these Okay, I'm going to put this here and It's amazing. The more we make, the harder it gets to live a simple principle like this. But what I love about the principle of the percentages is it grows with you no matter how much you make or how much you don't think you make or whatever it is. As we learned last week, honestly, just about every single one of us in this room, according to where the world stands on our annual income, all of us are rich, so we're all rich. But you may not feel rich. This principle goes with you no matter how much you make or how much you're not making. Same principle applies. I'm going to set aside the first 10%. Bible talks about this. Tithing, there's a lot. You can kind of say, well, I don't know if it was exactly 10% or whatever. That's fine. Again, send those emails to Jeannie. But it starts with the percentage, 10%, 1%, 5%, 8%. God, what are you leading me to give? I'm going to set that aside first. This is why Jeannie and I give online, honestly. It felt foreign to us at first, but now it has become our joy because it happens. And here's the beautiful thing. We don't even miss it it's taken out it goes right away it goes right to god first thing goes right to god second thing goes right to savings for our lives for our kids the rest we work out and we live out we try to honor god with our 80% i don't miss that percent when it goes away at the first of the month i regret a lot of things that i've purchased i regret some sort of you know ways that i sort of set up my finances early on i regret some of those decisions i have yet to miss the money that I've entrusted back into God's hand. And I've yet to meet someone who regrets giving to God. I've yet to meet anyone who regrets giving to God. So powerful is this principle 101080 for us and how it kind of shaped and and got us on track and helped us try and figure that out as our you know resources continued to grow along the years that we said you know what we want to actually help our kids get this sooner than later we want them to be responsible today so that they can start being generous right now in their little lives and that this would become a lifestyle for them for the rest of their lives and so we set up, and maybe you've seen this. We stole this from the towners, directly ripped this off, and I'm pretty sure they ripped it off from somewhere else. But we have these three jars that each of our kids have. That's Elijah's. And we have the give jar, the save jar, the live jar. And that's his little hands. And every week, our kids have responsibilities. We have a little board of all their responsibilities. And if they meet their responsibilities, <laughs> guys, their responsibilities are brush your teeth, make your bed, sit in your seat during the whole meal, which I would pay them a million dollars to do. It won't do. They meet their responsibilities. They get a little check for the day. And then at the end of the day, each you know, day is sort of a quarter. And so we kind of dole it out for the week and we do the percentages. We do the percentages. Okay, guys, first goes to our give jar. And so we take that out. If it was a dollar for the week, okay, here's 10 cents. Next goes to the save jar. I want to save this. This is money we're going to hold on to. We're going to put that away. Next 80, this all goes into your live jar. That can go towards whatever you need as a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. More My Little Ponies or whatever God leads you to, it's yours. And so, what's so beautiful is this, you know, it's not our idea, you guys. Someone had to teach us. We had to start somewhere. But our kids walk into church every week. This morning, they walked in with their little envelopes. Our kids. And they gave upstairs at Soul City Kids where we sponsor a little girl named Fiona through World Vision. And we are making sure that she has everything she needs to survive. And our little kids are practicing 10-10-80. And they're both wired very, very, very differently. Both of our kids are wired incredibly differently, especially when it comes to money. Like our daughter Gigi, who's four, almost five years old, she could care less about money just be with me hug me dance with me just be i don't care in fact she's so in the present moment she could care less about money she would give all her money away and her brother elijah would take it all they're very different he is a saver. We are constantly throwing out candy from Halloween or Christmas or whatever. It is. He saves and saves and saves. He is practicing the principle of at least that second ten. He's got that dialed in. They're wired very differently, but the principles still apply to both of them. I give first to God. I save for later. I live wisely on what I have. I give first to God. I save for later. And I live wisely with what I have. This very, very, very simple idea. Listen, for those of you who have kids, what a great thing for you to even begin today. And you may think, "Oh, well, I didn't learn this in my house growing up." Neither did I. This is something you can begin today. Those are I'm Genie made it all Pinteresty, but those are normal jars. We just set them aside and said, "This is what we want to model to our kids." For those of you who are married, what a way for you to get on the same page together as a couple. You can at least agree on this. You may have come from different stories and have different approaches to finances, but you can maybe set some ground rules like this is how we do it for our family. 10, 10, 80. Those of you who are about to get married, what a great foundation, what a great head start you might have by putting this simple practice, this simple principle at work. In fact, this Saturday, we're kind of expanding this thing out, this idea of what does it mean to give to God, to save for tomorrow and to live wisely through our Money Wise Workshops, and a couple different workshops for families and for, you know, folks who kind of maybe try to figure out how to get through debt and get onto sort of the other side of that. Workshops for those of you who kind of own your own business or are freelance, and so money doesn't quite come in as consistently. Like, we have incredible people that are here to teach and train and develop and get into it with you about how you can begin this life, you can live this Kind of freedom that God actually has for every one of you, that you can take responsibility today so that you can be more generous tomorrow and be generous for the rest of your life and to do good and to be rich. You know, I mentioned the Bible talks a lot about this concept of our finances and God and where His heart is for us in it. And one of the things that comes up pretty regularly is how important it is for our heart and our soul our lives to give back to God, to let go of what we hold on to so tightly, to recognize that it already comes from God. And so it's my, not only responsibility, my joy, my joy to give it back to him, to say, thank you, God, you've been so good to me. I want to give back to you. I want us to look at one passage that might inspire this sort of work in every single one of us. And for the, again, those of you who are Christians, this is sort of something that we've signed on and agreed to do, to wrestle with God and to respond to God. So I want us to study this passage together. It's found in Second Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you have a Bible with you, this would be a great time to open that to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you don't, we've got you covered. There's a blue Bible in front of you. I would ask that everyone either has a Bible out or does it on their phone. We're obviously going to read on the screen, but you can't circle or underline the screens. And so I'd ask you, you don't want to jot some notes down. There's some pretty powerful principles at work here that we're going to look at in this passage specifically in Second Corinthians chapter 9. So get a Bible out, grab a blue Bible. Again, if you don't own a Bible, that blue Bible is now yours. So write your name in it, write in it, underline things in it. We want you to really, truly put these principles to practice in your life. Every single one of us who would call ourselves a Christian, and maybe if you even don't, this is a practice you can put into your life this week, today in fact. Quick context, on 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, Paul is writing a letter to the church in Corinth. This is a big church, a growing church, an influential church. And what had happened was there was great need at the very first church. The church began in a city called Jerusalem, which I know you're familiar with. That's where the church actually started. That church had hit some really hard times. There was a great deal of poverty in the city at this time, and the church was actually taking a huge financial hit. And what had started as a revolution of the church started in this idea of generosity. People freely giving. You can read about it in Acts chapter 2. People had needs. People gave to needs. People saw something rise up where there was a challenge. People gave. They gave of their stuff, of their time. They gave of themselves. And so this church in Corinth had already committed to respond. They said, yes, they, just like every one of us, I want to be more generous. I want to give specifically to this church. In Jerusalem. And Paul is reminding them. In fact, he even uses another church, the church in Macedonia, where he says, look, I, he just right before this, he's talking about the church in Macedonia has already wonderfully and beautifully responded. Now, this church significantly was significantly uh, financially challenged. In fact, the entire city of Macedonia, historians tell us, was wiped out by the Roman Empire, had everything of value taken from them. And here's this little tiny church in this very poor town of Macedonia, and they had already given to the church in Jerusalem that was in great need. They didn't give much. In fact, Paul says the, the, the amount didn't matter. What mattered was their heart was fully in the game. They went all in with what they had with God. Instead of so Paul saying, hey, big church who's got a lot. Look at even Macedonia who doesn't has given. So let's be responsible with that feeling, that inkling you have from God in your heart to be more generous. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. Paul says, remember this, using a metaphor from that day, but I think we all get it pretty clearly. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also what? Reap sparingly. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You get the concept, right? I mean, this is like maybe you play blackjack. You know, you know, the bigger the bet, the bigger the pot. Like you know, right? I'm trying to help you here. You know that the the more you kind of put into something, the greater potential for there's something out of it. And so Paul's saying, look, you know, whoever sows sparingly, you kind of hold back, hold on, grip tightly to your stuff. You reap sparingly. You don't get to experience sort of the full joy that comes from giving fully to God. But whoever gives generously, who sows generously, reaps generously, and not just financially. That's not at all the implication from this passage that if you give a dollar to God, he'll give you ten back. Not at all. He generously gives to your life, your heart, your soul. He grows you. You experience joy at such a deeper level. Moving on, verse 7. He says, so, listen, here's the challenge. Okay, that's the truth. Here's the challenge. Each of you should give what you have, circle this word, decided, decided. That means that there is a determination that's made before the moment. That means that you have looked at your numbers, you've prayed, you've sought God, you've been responsible, you've decided, you've made a plan, you've already decided to give in your heart. Not reluctantly, like, oh, I don't know, should I, yes, shouldn't I, I don't know. Not compulsively, not out of under compulsion, where someone makes you feel really guilty and they show you a bunch of pictures of starving children and say, you gotta give, you gotta give. Oh my God, I gotta give, I gotta give. And so you give out of guilt. That's not at all the kind of giving that God is inviting you into. Say, no. No, you decide in your heart ahead of time. Be responsible today so you can be generous tomorrow. For God loves a what? Does it say God loves a big giver? God loves those more who give more. God loves a cheerful giver, someone who takes great joy in responding to God and giving back to Him. Now look at this promise. We heard the truth, saw the challenge, here's the promise. God is able to bless you, what's the word? Abundantly. Abundantly, which means more than you really need. Abundantly. God is able to bless you abundantly so that, now here, I want you to start circling these words. We're gonna start moving through this. I want you to see the pattern in this next half of a sentence. So that in what? All things at what? All times having what? All that you need, you will abound in what? Every good word. Good, for the seven of you who believe that to be true. That's awesome. I believe it too. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all you need, God, you will richly abound in every good work, every good work. You put this principle to practice. You determine in your heart. You be responsible with what God has entrusted to you. You give generously from that spot. God has already taken care of you. God will continue to take care of you at all times, in all situations, recessions, you know, times of plenty, whether it's a time where you're out of work, whether you're in work, whatever the situation may be, God has already blessed you and will continue to richly bless you at all times, in all circumstances, so that you may continue to abound, to be rich, which we talked about last week, in every situation, in every good work. The principle applies all the way across the board, no matter how much you have or how much you think you don't have, no matter how big you think the gift is or how small you think the gift is. This is God's promise. He'll bless you. He'll continue to bless you. It's not circumstantial. It's not conditional. He already has blessed you. You just become more aware of his blessing. You become more grateful for his goodness. This is what happens when we faithfully, consistently, courageously, joyfully give to God. This is the freedom that God has for you in your finances. This is what I long for every single person in our church, every single one of us, to experience that kind of freedom and joy that comes from giving faithfully to God. And I know the reality. Just like our kids are, are different and kind of wired differently, every one of us is wired differently. I totally get that. We all kind of come from different financial backgrounds and different financial stories and different perspectives. And again, I, I completely understand that. I think the reality is when it comes to this kind of giving, this kind of generosity, this responding to God out of the goodness that he's already given us, I think if we were to be really honest and if we were to kind of just to take a poll and hit time out when we're doing the offering or whatever it is, and I think there's three types of people that are in our room, Or I think honestly across the board, three types of people whenever it comes to giving back to God out of his goodness. I think the first group, and maybe this is you, first group tends to be grippers, You don't like to think of it that way, but the truth is, maybe you've been very responsible, but you haven't been very generous with your resources. And the word that you keep thinking over and over and over again when it comes to your resources is, mine. I earned them. They're mine. I'm not doing crazy things. I'm not living a lavish lifestyle, but they're mine. I earned them. I worked for them. They're mine. And what you find over time, the more that you begin to believe that, the tighter your grip gets on your stuff. And here's the truth that many of us have come to find. The tighter your stuff gets a grip on you. And then you can't even see straight anymore. And it may have started with good intentions to have enough for later or to save for your kid's future or whatever it is. But you're a gripper. And every time a bucket is passed or a moment comes and it's time to give, you're like, you know what? Not, not, not now. Not this time. That may be you. Or maybe what in this room maybe with the category that you might fall into when it comes to responding to God and giving to God is you may not be a, a gripper maybe you're a tipper that's what we call them around here totally awesome love tippers it's a great thing tippers are just in case you're wondering when the bucket gets past you kind of see what you got in your wallet and you throw God give him a little attaboy like here you go I got 20 I'm giving 20 got 100 I'm giving 100 and so it's not, it comes from a beautiful place. I want to respond to God. I want to give back to God. But there's not a lot of intentionality or responsibility into it. If you have it, you give it. That's sort of just giving in the moment. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Grateful for everyone who tips around here. It's a beautiful thing. It may be a big step for you. Maybe that's the biggest step you've made is from being a gripper to a tipper. It's a beautiful thing. However, I don't think it's what God has actually created you for and is inviting you into this morning. Because I think while there are grippers who hold on as tightly as they can, tippers who kind of give in the moment as what they have, I think what God has created you for and me for and all of us for is to be givers. To be givers. To, as these scriptures point out, to generously, responsibly give. To give back to God as he is so richly given to you. To be a joyful giver as the passage that we just looked at talks about, a joyful giver. I give back to God because I recognize how he has given to me. And while the percentages may be different, the amounts may be different, that doesn't matter. The principle still remains that we come alive, we are free, we are joy-filled when we loosen the grip on our stuff, when we get responsible with our resources and we give back to God. It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. I long for everyone, everyone who's a part of our church to experience the joy and freedom that comes from giving, from being a giver, from being in the game. And maybe you've experienced that before and it's been a while and you've kind of faded off. Maybe you've never experienced that before. I want to invite you into that, starting today. Not for our benefit, for yours. To see what God has for you in this. I want you to know sort of where your money comes from that it comes as a gift from God and where even ultimately it is going to so that when you give specifically to this church that you are responsible and you know where your money is going to and what it's going to you're not just kind of throwing into a pot but you're saying no I'm investing into work of God this this stuff actually shouldn't be a mystery so this is where I'm going to kind of pull us back around the table a little family talk right now I want to share with you some of the, the beautiful, beautiful things, the powerful things that are happening in our church when ordinary, everyday folks like you are being responsible to give and how God is matching that and exponentially growing our church because of it and how there is room for you to take another step closer into this adventure of giving back to God. I don't know if you've ever stopped and thought about where the resources come from that pay for this church. Maybe you've never even like, thought like. We have carpet this week. Did you notice that? We have carpet. How nice is that? And maybe you just never thought, like, I've never even stopped to thing. I just thought it was, came from somewhere, like an outside investor, maybe an angel investor. That's terrible. That's a terrible joke. So maybe you've never even stopped and, and thought about it. Well, I want to tell you exactly where it comes from. It comes from everyday folks like you and me who give or are responsible our stuff and give and God blesses it and makes it so much more than we could ever give on our own. In fact, the seats you're sitting in to the carpet underneath your feet to the lights above you to the sound that you now hear if you're watching this online the ability for you to even watch this online all of that was made possible by people like you who went before you who said it's my joy to give to God. I am giving of myself so that others may receive the blessing. You're here because of their faithfulness. And God is inviting you into that same kind of faithfulness so that you can be one who says, I am here for God and for them. And I want to take my part. I want to have my seat at the table. You know what's so funny? Our table is growing. It's getting bigger. <laughs> Last year in 2012, our, our, and I'm, yeah, I'm going to talk some numbers with you because I don't want this to be a mystery. I want you to understand what's going on around here, okay? Can you handle just a little bit of numbers? Then we're going to tell an awesome story, and then we're going to sing a worship song. So those of you who are more feelers, just hang tight, all right? It's coming. (laughs) Last year in in 2012, our average weekly attendance at Soul City Church, again, just being about, at that time, just not even two years old to about two years old, our average attendance was 552 people each week. It's amazing. 552 people. The room was a lot smaller than when we had 552 people coming out to our church each week. Do you know that So far this year, just in two and a half months in, our average attendance has jumped up to 720 people a weekend. And in two weeks ago, we were just a couple people shy of 900 people here on the weekend at our church. That's amazing. And the reason there's room for them is because of ordinary, everyday people like you, living responsibly, giving generously, and God exponentially doing more with that. That's why I'm telling you, that's why church keeps growing and keeps growing and keeps growing. Now, I want to tell you what the experts say about what's going on here. I want to tell you about what folks say is about to happen to our church. And I think you can tell by my tone what I think about it. <laughs> Typically what happens is as churches grow like ours has or you know, experience significant growth, the giving doesn't grow with the numbers. So more people are coming, but less people are giving. Does that make sense? Kind of the, and th- at first, it seemed very counterintuitive to me, like, no, it should all sort of keep going. Not at all, if you think about it. The bigger a church gets and the longer it goes on, there are less and less people who kind of form that you know, initial core. The people who gave so that you could be here today, those people, that number gets smaller and smaller. And then a bunch of new people who come along, who they don't know, maybe have never heard this before, never been a part of this, or they're just not giving for whatever reason that they have on their own. And so our numbers continue to grow. And people continue to be blessed and benefit from the ministry of this church, but they're just not necessarily getting in the game to give. And so our numbers grow but our giving doesn't. And that's what experts say is supposed to happen to our church. I don't think that's the story for our church. I don't think that's what God's doing here. Now, I will tell you the reality of what's happening and how you and I can be a part of writing a better story this morning. Currently, about 80% of the giving in our church comes from about 20% of the people. So there is something that's a little off there. I think anyone who calls themselves a Christian and calls God their father, calls this church their home, deserves the right to be a part of a faith adventure and investing in the kingdom of God through their local church. It's normal. It's, it's, guys, it's normal, actually. According to the teachings of the Bible, it's normal. And many of us have experienced many of the blessings of this church, and we maybe either didn't know or didn't start or didn't get involved in giving to what God is doing here. And I want to invite you to be a part of writing a better story than that. That not only blesses this church so that we can do things like good, the Good Friday experience, which is going to be so amazing, To do things like the Big Find where we're able to bless our neighborhood and have hundreds of folks from the neighborhood who might never darken the doors of a church go to the park and participate with our church for a big Easter egg hunt. It goes to doing things like our Easter Sunday services that we do here. The reason we're able to do all of those things is because of folks like you and me faithfully giving to God. And I think every one of us deserves the privilege to be a part of something like that. Because I think every one of us longs to live that kind of generous lifestyle. And so what we want to do this morning is give you the opportunity to take responsibility with that. Like the church in Corinth. To not just say you want to, but to actually put that into work so that you can begin to live the kind of life that God created you for. And I want you to see a picture of what that looks like. A picture of what it looks like when someone like you and me says, you know, regardless of the amount, I'm committed to giving to God. And so, would you uh, join me in welcoming Jess Hiltner up to our stage this morning? Hello, Jess. Hi. Uh, I would need to tell you that Jess hates microphones and stages. So, she's doing this out of love for you. So, introverts, join in prayer right now. Pray quietly to yourself for Jess as she goes through this. But I want you to hear just the story, because when you emailed us in and told us, and I've, I've known you now, you've been in our church for like a year and a half, but when you emailed in your story of what God's been doing over the last two months, I thought it'd be so cool and so appropriate for us to get a picture this morning of how these principles get practiced in our lives. So kind of give us a snapshot of when you sort of first got free with, with your finances and resources.
1: I kind of made it a New Year's resolution to start tithing. I really wanted to give money to Let's Make Room because everyone here made room for me. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't been a tither before. Um, As you mentioned, the gripper, uh, the tipper, and the giver. I've always been a bit of a gripper. Mm -hmm. And on occasion would be a tipper. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gave very generously in my time Mm -hmm. and love. I have Mm -hmm. that plenty. But um, was super um, gripped on my finances. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I, I challenged myself, and I thought it might be a resolution I could actually keep.
0: And so give us a little snapshot leading up to that. What was sort of your perspective of of God and in, in money leading up to that moment. I didn't have one. Awesome. Okay, good.
1: <laughs> um, often Jeannie talked about how giving each month was something they found joy in, and I didn't get that for a second. It was completely incomprehensible to me. Um, I make circus peanuts for a living, and so for me... You don't
0: work for the circus no. per se. Okay, I just I, want to well, be really clear. That's a day-to-day. It feels like it. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but um, I... Sorry, I totally lost my train of thought here. No, I made it funny, Um, and I stole the attention. I'm so sorry. No, so I I didn't make a lot. I don't make a lot of money, and so the thought of trying to give whatever might actually feed me that month, or pay my bills, or my rent, um, just seemed really. I I couldn't. There was no framework for it. None. I had no idea how to do it.
0: So I think this is so, so awesome, and a little humbling, but incredibly powerful. Where did you start?
1: My piggy bank.
0: Literally a piggy bank. I
1: shook my piggy bank dry. Hmm. I didn't Hmm. really know where else to get money from. I really wanted to start in January. The end of the year was really rough for my work, and so I didn't have a lot left over, and then there's Christmas and gifts and et cetera. Um, so I didn't really know where to get the money from, but I felt really compelled, so I shut I my piggy bank. Um, took me 20 minutes, which is something I'm proud of. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then I, I added a little bit more because I also wanted it to come from me as well, mm-hmm. not just some place that I'd been tucking it and mm-hmm. you know thinking about it for later. So I um, started tithing then with my piggy. Mm-hmm.
0: Isn't that awesome? I mean, know where your herds and, and flocks <laughs> and piggies are at all times. And I think.
1: My piggy is bare now. Your
0: piggy is bare. I think it's a, what a beautiful place to start. And I, I know what I love is, as we've talked about this, what God has done in a very short time, 45, 40 ish days. Mm-hmm. Tell me some of the stuff that God's doing in, in your heart. Like, how is God growing your heart as you give back to Him?
1: My heart is exploding. Mm-hmm. I am um, in the course of deciding to follow God and test Him with my finances. Um, he has turned them completely around. Mm-hmm. He has, I mean, I went from a gripper, I gripped my pennies. I was super concerned with where my money was going and what I was doing. I even took the money workshop here. It's mm-hmm. actually where I learned the 10, 10, 80 thing. I mm-hmm. had never heard that before. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, my, my heart is just so overwhelmed with how abundantly he's loved me and mm-hmm. shows me how much he will provide in mm-hmm. a way that I couldn't even begin to comprehend mm-hmm. in January when I mm-hmm. shook my baby <laughs> mm-hmm. You were so.
0: saying this morning that, you know, now it's like your joy looking for oh, to do. I I like
1: totally get genie now. I'm there, I'm racing for day one of the new month to honestly, excitedly give my money. I love it. So it's been a total 180 in my perspective of money.
0: I so. love it. Can we thank Jess? That's you.
1: Thank
0: you. Thank you so so cool. And that's just, that's just, that's it. That's the picture. So You got to start somewhere. Maybe it's your piggy bank. Maybe it's a trust fund. Maybe it's your bank account. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that God's invited you into the kind of freedom that comes from trusting him and releasing the grip of your stuff and becoming a giver like he actually created you to be, like he's already given to you. So I'm going to invite the band to come up right now and as they do, I, I, I'm really serious about this. We want, to be, we want to be, as a church, responsible with what God has entrusted to us. And so uh, we've created a little 90-day challenge. You know, right? We're trying to make this something that it kind of pushes you, but that you can, all of us can take a step in on. And so in the back of your seat back, or if you're in the front row, grab it off the floor. There should be a card. I'm going to ask everyone to grab one of these, no matter where you're at, whether you're a gripper, a tipper, a giver, or wherever you may be at. Maybe your story's like Jess, or maybe it's totally different. I'm going to ask you to grab this card and grab a pen while you do because I'm going to ask you to fill this out. I want you to, to, over the next 90 days, we as a church want you to put the teachings of the Bible and put the heart and character of God, hear this in the right way, to the test. I, we want you to be able to put God to the test. To say, okay, God, it... If it's true that you have already richly blessed me, that you've already given me all that I need at all times and all circumstances so that I may abound in every good work that I do, then God, I want to actually see how this works. And so we've set up a little 90-day giving challenge And we're going to ask you to to go ahead and fill your name out, put your email in. And we're really serious about this. You may think this is for everyone else. You know what? If you're not a Christian and that kind of thing, totally not for you. We'd love for you to do this. If you're a Christian and you're still kind of hedging your your bets on this one, I want to push you a little bit further as your pastor and say, I want you to step in on this one. And it's only for 90 days. We want you to put God to the test and say, you know what? I've thought about this. I've, I've, I've wanted to do this. I've had the urge to be generous, but I haven't taken responsibility. We want to start right now and do over the next 90 days. Just see what God does in our heart. Just see what God does through our church as we respond and give back to him, as we are generous with him, as he has been so generous with us. And so there's a spot for you to just check off. I'd like to become a percentage giver. Maybe you've never done that. You've been a tipper, and that's awesome. Great place to start. This is time to step up and say, you know what? I'm going to give a percentage. I'm going to give a percentage. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to work it out. I'm going to ask God. I'm going to start this week. Not at all because our church is desperate for money or anything like that. We're desperate for you to experience the freedom God has for you. We want you to know and experience this. And if you're a Christian and you've yet to get in this game, you are missing out you are missing out, and I don't want you to miss out, and so you just check the box and say, I'd like to become a percentage giver, or, or maybe you are, maybe you are a, a giver currently, but your challenge is, you know what, I, wanna, I don't want to get comfortable here, I, we kind of figured this thing out, and I got it, it all comes automatically, and about 60% of our church gives online, so you've got it all set up, and that happens, and you don't even necessarily think about it, but maybe you've gotten a little too comfortable, and so maybe the thing for you to pray about, and you to check the box, say, you know, I want to step it up a percentage, I want to step it up a notch. I want to, I want, I want to live, in fact, the, the towners, the family I mentioned, that's, that was their life goal, was to become reverse tithers, to give more than they lived off of. In fact, that was so powerful for Gene and I to see that it's become our model too. We would say, you know what, God, we want to continually each year up the percentage so that we can give and respond to you more. And so it was our joy this last fall to up our percentage to go online to change it and say we want to keep giving more and trusting you more and maybe that's what you need to do but i bet every one of us needs to respond to god in some way today some way not out of compulsion but not reluctantly either out of response to the invitation that god has given you so here's the deal real serious the band's going to start playing we're going to start worshiping you're going to start giving responding to god I'm going to ask you, and the offering comes by in a little bit, the biggest thing you may have ever dropped in the bucket is this card. And it's a big risk for you. And if after 90 days, if God hasn't changed or, you know, grown or transformed your heart or something similar to Jess's story, you can stop. I mean, that's between you and God. That's between you and God. But we want you to at least start, to at least try, and be a part of, join up with what God's doing here at this church and the lives of folks like Jess and many others who've come before you. So I'm going to pray, and in a minute when we receive our offering, you can tear off this little bottom part that gives you kind of a next steps. Now look, we're trying to be so good about living lean as a staff with our resources. We didn't even pay for perforation. So you're going to have to tear that off because we're trying to live lean, baby. And so so you're going to have to tear that off because there's some really important next steps. You can go online and start setting that up today to give. Whatever percentage God leads you to, that's between you and God. But as your pastor and as you're part of this church, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to go another day without experiencing the fullness and freedom and joy that comes from giving back to God. So let me pray for us right now. And then we'll give. You can fill out that card even while I'm praying. Drop it in. We'll help you. We'll get you started. We will set you up so that you can join and go all in with God. Let's pray together, though, right now. God, we only need to look to the cross to see how much you've given for us and to us. If all we ever saw was the cross, that would be enough for us to get, God, how much you love us and how much you've given for us, how you have spared no expense. And so help us, God, as we sort of try and figure out, you know, which percentage to give back to you. God, help us keep in mind how you've given everything to us. And so we want to respond to you this morning. We want to be responsible, God, today so that we can continue to be generous tomorrow and for the rest of our life. I pray, God, for any place where people are feeling maybe some resistance or cynicism or fear, God, I pray that you'd speak right through that with your love. And that they would hear a whisper from you right now saying, you can trust me. You can trust me. You have already seen how good I've been to you put me to the test in this and see that I don't open up the storehouse of heaven and pour so much blessing into your life that there's not enough room to contain it. God, may that be true of every one of our lives who calls ourselves a follower of yours. God, I pray that that be true of people who don't even know about the whole Christian thing yet, but they're gonna take a 90-day challenge. And God, I pray that they would even get a greater glimpse of you through giving to the work that you're doing here through this church. We pray this in your good In gracious name, amen.